Hi, my name is Randy May, and welcome to Decoding the Man podcast. Here at Decoding the Man, we have real conversations with real men and people in their lives. Whether we're talking about relationships, family life, masculinity, vulnerability, or mental health, we're having deeper conversations in a safe space. So buckle up, get comfortable, get a coffee, and listen in whether you're driving or sitting on the couch today. Get inspired, reflect, and have real conversations in your own life. At Decoding the Man, we're all about having a little bit of fun and getting a little bit deeper. The views expressed by the individuals in this podcast are solely the opinions and experiences of the guests of Decoding the Man. Hi, my name is Randy May, and this is Decoding the Man, and we're here today with Movember. And we have Eden as our guest, and he is a first responder. He's a paramedic. Uh, in the GTA, and he's going to give us a little bit of insight about the first responder experience and kind of let us know why he mows. So Eden, we'd love to welcome you to Movember um, and Decoding the Man as our special guest to give us a little bit of insight. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me today. It's a big honor to be here today. Well, thank you so much. Hearing people's stories is so important, um, especially letting others know why they started on this journey. So starting with that, I just want to get a little bit of insight to what drew you to Movember. Well, in all honesty, I've been doing it for, you know, quite a few years. And when I started out, it was more because it seemed like a fun reason to do a little bit of fundraising. And then as time progressed, uh, my father was diagnosed with prostate cancer and it was a really difficult conversation to have with him, but it really helped to be able to do that. And I think opening up the conversation about difficult subjects for men, especially uh, that, you know, there's the stigma of you've got to be manly and you keep it to yourself. It's, it's not sustainable. You need to talk to others. You need to share your experiences. So after my dad's experience, I actually was diagnosed with PTSD in 2014. Okay. uh, And that was, a challenge to get through and there was a lot of challenges to getting assistance back then and uh, I did I made sure I spoke to a psychologist for quite a while and I've kept in touch and it's been really beneficial to my health overall right so you're you're part of November for a couple of reasons it sounds like it's it has a connection to you for your own experience but your family's experience as well absolutely yes yeah it's uh we have a really big issue with first responders um we've there was this attitude for years and years and years that no matter what the call was it was your job suck it up buttercup this is what you signed up for and you know it's all part and parcel of your paycheck right and we've seen a really good turn recently and after traumatic calls and after anything really being able to sit down and debrief and say hey like this isn't something our bodies were designed to deal with. No one can ever get used to the stuff. And let's talk about, let's, you know, get professional help when we need it. But we're getting a lot better as a group and as a family of, you know, really opening up and talking to each other and having a shoulder to cry on sometimes. Absolutely. You know, when you said we're not built to get used to this stuff, I think that's so important what you just said, because the idea of the things you may see as a first responder, especially a paramedic, uh, seeing that for a 10 hour, eight hour, 12 hour shift. Um, you're seeing people because they need your help, you know? Absolutely. And it doesn't necessarily get easier the longer you've done it. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I did 
probably one of the worst calls I've ever done. I've been in healthcare for over 10 years and a paramedic for over four. Right. And it knocked me right down. And it was really quite remarkable to see a guy, one of my colleagues who's an advanced care paramedic come up to me and go, you know, I used to sort of be one of those guys who was suck it up buttercup. And then it hit me really hard. And I went into therapy and he goes, that was a terrible call. Like, let's talk it out. And he's given me a hug and it's like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't normal. Nobody should ever say it is. Yeah, absolutely. And give us a little bit of insight about your experience, you know, to, to attend a call that really shifted you and made you think about the fact that, you know, sucking it up isn't an option this time. Um, well, I was lucky when I worked in healthcare before I actually worked in mental health and I was assaulted by one of my patients. Okay. And that was in 2014. And the resources back then were a lot more limited than they are now. So I had to battle to get the help and I never wanted to slip back to where I was in 2014. Right. So now at least WSIB is a lot more accommodating when you have a mental health injury. Um, and there's a lot more resources that are readily available. So everyone has different triggers. It's not like there's a specific call that's going to get every single person. Absolutely. And that's what we have to be aware of is like, what will affect me might not affect my partner and vice versa. Right. So even if it seems like it was a fairly minor call, you've got to check in on your colleagues and make sure everyone's okay and on the same page. Right. I really like what you just said just now. You talked about a mental health injury. Yeah. Um, well, I, go ahead. Sorry. No, it, it, it is an injury. Like, and that's the thing that people need to understand is we need to have a holistic approach. Like, you can go to the gym and run on a treadmill and do weights, and that's great for your, your body. Right. But your mind is part of your body. If you don't take care of it, it, it gets damaged as well. Absolutely. And so it's like the same care we, we promote people to take care of their body by going to the gym, you know, promoting people to talk to a therapist or a counselor or whoever, or maybe just a friend or family is so important, like you're saying. It's huge. Yeah. And November, like for me, it started off as a really funny thing. I'm not someone who loves going to the gym. I'm not going to do a 5k run, but damn, I can grow a really good mustache. <laughs> that's you know? Like that's my level of athleticism right there is growing a mustache. So I figured if I can fundraise for a good cause without having to do a 5k run, I'm doing good. And then it evolved because it was like, okay, we're, this is actually now having an impact on my life and my family's life and my coworkers' lives. I've lost a few of my coworkers recently to suicide. And it makes me really sad that that's still happening to, you know, first responders yeah, and any really, but like it hits home when it's someone who you thought was doing good and then three days later after seeing them you find out that they've killed themselves yeah that's really tough i mean how have you been able to cope with that reality um it's challenging to be really honest it's not an easy pill to swallow but it really makes you look inwardly at yourself and make sure your 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 friends and your family and the service and our allied services and everyone in your life is taking care of themselves and it makes you really want to sit down and have the difficult discussions. And, you know, that's the great part about Movember. It's fun. We're growing a mustache. But, yeah, it, it causes you to talk and explain things and be like, you know, this is why we're doing it. We have to take care of ourselves and our coworkers and our friends and our families and have the difficult discussions. And, uh, you know, if we can add a little bit of fun to it with a mustache, why not? Yeah, absolutely. 
did you, what did you notice um, in the shift in your colleagues as the pandemic has started? I mean, it sounds like it adds another level of pressure to being a paramedic or first responder. It absolutely did. Uh, for me, it was really taking time to make sure you're safe before you go into a call. Um, before we were, you know, in a pandemic, you'd put your PPE on and you'd go in. Yeah. Now you're double checking that your PPE on is properly, your partner's PPE is on properly, the officers and the firefighters on scene, is everyone safe before we go in to do this call? Because no one wants to get sick. Right. Uh, it, it's even been difficult. I used to wear my uniform to work and back. And now it's a little thing. I change at work and it goes in a bag and it gets dropped off at the cleaners. So right. the hygiene side of it has been something I've had to put a lot more thought into. And it's a lot more nerve wracking. I don't want to bring something home to my girlfriend. That, that would be pretty much the worst case scenario. Right. And so that's your physical safety. What are the mental ways that you felt like you had prepared to get through the last couple of months? It's been very isolating uh, in the beginning. People really avoided anyone in healthcare, and it was everyone was avoiding everyone. But there was a lot more stigma towards healthcare workers as the people who were fighting the front line of this disease. And the social isolation was a very real thing. And I can only imagine what it was like for people who weren't, you know, in healthcare and fighting it. Right. But for us, very, I see my parents normally once a week, if not more. I didn't see them for months. And when I did, it was to like drop groceries off because I didn't want my parents who were a little bit older having to go to the store to get stuff. Right. It, it definitely took a toll on me. I was very lucky. My girlfriend has been by my side through all this and I can't imagine what it would be like without her. Well, that's beautiful. I hope she listens to this and hears that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you can just hit replay on that for her. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I definitely will. <laughs> Right. But it's important to have those supports in your life. And that's what you're, what I'm hearing is that like you got through this because you have some really good supports in your life. Absolutely. And it brought us together in the station for sure. You know, like me and my regular partner, it sort of, we focused a lot more on making sure each other were okay and that we had supports. My regular partner, his family doesn't live in Toronto. So it was even more isolating for him where you know, to drive an hour and a half to go visit his family wasn't an option anymore Yeah, uh, due to safety issues. So we really had to look at each other and make sure everyone was doing okay and spend a bit more time just checking in and making sure people were well taken care of. Yeah. And what is it? Give us some insights or ways that like you first responders can check in with their friends or maybe some prompts for first responder family members to check in with them. Honestly, I, I think it's not specific to first responders. I think it's all of us need to sort of come together as a community. And I've been calling people way more than I used to. People that sort of maybe were background figures in my life. I'm trying to make sure I check in on them. People I haven't seen in a couple of years even just to make sure they're okay. Partners I haven't worked with in a long time. Hey, how's it going? I haven't seen you for a while. Like everything good? Zoom has been a great thing to sort of try and put some faces to, you know, friends again. Yeah. Um, it, it's really just about making sure everyone's okay. And, you know, lots of calls, lots of texts, just doing your best to make sure you're, you're taking care of your friends and your family. Yeah. What's been the hardest part of all this for you? I 
love to travel. <laughs> I really wanted to do a huge road trip this fall right. and get out of the province. And for me, the biggest thing was not being able to do that. I've been looking forward to it for a year. Yeah. And that come crashing down uh, sort of was a bit of a blow to me after a really long, stressful six months. I was hoping to go to the East Coast and eat a lot of lobster and relax. <laughs> so when that was taken away, it was a bit of a blow. Yeah. But in the day to day, it's, you know, it's going to sound really corny, but like giving my mom a hug like that, yeah. that's what I've missed the most is like that family interaction, having a really big family get together. And, you know, my, my cousin had a son five months ago. I yeah. hadn't seen it. That wouldn't happen before. I would have seen that kid three days after he was born. Right. So that's been the biggest thing for me, like in the day to day is just, the so social isolation that's been it's taken a toll yeah it's hard it's i mean it's hard on everyone and it's hard when your sense of connection and that support you can't see the people that you love right yeah absolutely I, it's been very odd because with shift work you do miss out on big family milestones and yeah. events you know whatever holidays your family celebrates birthdays I haven't been to any of those for a while, but you make up for it in other ways. But this year it's been very much nobody's doing anything and you don't get to see anyone. And it's, it's noticeable. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> it is a bit sad. It's okay to say that, you know, it's sad. It's, it's okay to say that it's been sad not being able to feel that connection with the people that you love and, to be able to celebrate in the ways that you know as humans we are social creatures right we're social beings and so missing out on that connection and touch and hugs it makes a difference for us absolutely i think you're so right and it is sad yeah yeah it's it's definitely changed the world as we know it and hopefully one day it'll sort of come back to normalcy but for the time being we're sort of stuck this way and uh it's it's definitely sad definitely seeing more patients and people we know using substances to cope and that's not necessarily the best thing uh to be seeing an uptake in at this time but we're doing our best to try and take care of everyone patient wise and our colleagues yeah and you found what has it been like to see that uptake in substance use to manage you know whether it's isolation or maybe just the pressure of this of the big changes that are happening in the world for me, I'm very cautious with even my alcohol consumption. I, yeah. I've always been. And I can definitely see, you know, there's been more of an urge to have a drink here and there where I probably wouldn't have before. Right. Um, but we're seeing in the neighborhood I work in, like a huge uptake in opioid overdoses and domestic abuses and alcohol-related calls. And right. people just aren't getting out. They're not being social. They don't have as much to do. And there's still easy access to drugs and alcohol. And that's definitely taken a toll on me. Like a couple of weeks ago, I did two cardiac arrests that were related to opioids. Like That's a right. lot for one night. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot for one night. So it's affecting the people who are our patients, but also all those first responders that are coming in to handle that call. Right. It's the sad scene to see. Yeah. And how do you, how do you deal with that after your shift? I come home and I talk to my girlfriend about it pretty openly. Um, leave out the stuff that really isn't important or necessary or 
too graphic and we get away as much as we can i love the outdoors so we pretty much on all our days off head up to our trailer and get out and go fishing and enjoy the city outside or the the world outside of the city that's been my biggest coping and using nature to help ground you it sounds like yeah absolutely I'll tell you, every dog I see gets pet on the head. That's like my big. <laughs> she looks That's awesome. Do you, have, do you have to pet every dog? I'm like, yeah, I do actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You know what? When we get less hugs, dogs will always, you know, we can always pet a dog. Exactly. They're That's always it. happy to see us. Oh, they, they make it so much easier for sure. Yeah, I agree. I just want to ask you, I want to go back to something briefly that you mentioned that I think is really important, especially because we're talking about Movember. Um, You mentioned that your dad had prostate cancer. Yep. I just want to know, like, as a son, what that experience was like for you. It was pretty scary. Uh, My dad's a pretty stoic guy and doesn't like to talk about it a lot. Right. he had some experimental treatments done and things worked for a while and then they stopped working and then there was surgeries and it, it was very difficult to watch him go through it. And I worked really hard on getting him to talk about it. And if right. somebody's not ready to talk, they're not ready to talk. Right. But I'll tell you when he finally was willing to open up and ask questions and sort of let me help him navigate things, it became a lot easier for both of us. Yeah. Uh, the initial questions. Yeah. It was a little awkward because it's my dad. It's a lot easier for me to talk to a patient about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's not as much of an emotional connection, but it helped me and my dad get a lot closer when he finally was like, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I don't know what the doctor means by this. Yeah. Help me. And it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm in it with you for the long haul. There's no shame in this. There's no stigma. Like it's, it's a healthcare condition. Let's just work our way through it as a family. Right. No, it's wonderful that it was able to strengthen your connection with your dad. Uh, you said stoic. So give me, help me understand what, and our listeners understand what that means for you and what that means when you were looking at your dad and you're like, I want to help you, but maybe he was in that stoic stance. He didn't complain. You could see that he was in pain. I'd be like, dad, are you in pain? Is everything? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then change the subject immediately. And it would be right. not necessarily physical pain, but like, there's a fear of death no one wants to die he doesn't know what's going to happen yeah you know and let's talk about it let's let's work on what's got you freaked out like is it the pain is it the fear of surgery is it the fear of death like let's see what we can do to make this better for all of us and he's doing much better now like touch wood he's cancer free but it's also improved our, our relationship dramatically, I'd say, because we can have the harder talks now. He can try and he's gotten a lot better about talking to me about my work and my PTSD and how I need to take care of myself as well. It's, it's made the conversation a lot more open. That's wonderful. So you're able to talk about, you know, you can share the journey together a little bit with a little bit more ease and a little bit more freedom. Absolutely. Yeah. That was the best way I've ever heard it put. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad. (laughs) You can use it. (laughs) I think I won't tell him about the podcast. He'll be like, you've gotten really good with your words these days. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's that's all you can. You're happy to take that one. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) 
But, but part of it is it's like, you know, I think what you're saying is what Movember is about. How do we get people to have tough conversations so they realize they don't have to go through whether it's mental health or physical illness or just the challenges of day-to-day life alone? Um, and the fact that you were able to kind of help your dad navigate that and, and show him the possibility that something could be different is really huge. Yeah. And I think also there's no shame. I've had medics. I've been on vacation for a month and I've had many people reach out and they're like, Hey, I had this happen. I know it doesn't seem like a big deal, but can we talk about it? And it's like, if it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal. Don't minimize your experience. Um, Everyone handles things differently. Everyone handles stress differently. I'm here to talk to my colleagues 24 seven, whenever they need me, my phone is on. Right. And that's much the whole community of first responders. There's, you know, all the medics I know are the same. All the cops I know are the same. All the firefighters are the same. Let's talk this out. Let's not let it get to the point where things are, you know, boiling over. Yeah. I think that's been a part of the culture for a long time to just kind of, you know, tuck it away and go on to the next call. Absolutely. And I'm really glad to say it seems that hopefully that culture is changing. It's taken a really long time, but you know, WSIB changing how WSIB or changing how PTSD is treated was a really good step forward to normalize it. Right. And all the programs at work we have to try and normalize the discussion have been huge. Uh, It's, it's gone to be part of our education now when we train twice a year this is something that's discussed every single time is checking making sure your colleagues are okay four years ago when I started that wasn't the case yeah and hearing the change in WSIB is really huge yeah when I got diagnosed in 2014 I was amazed at how terrible the system was to be honest I was told if I didn't go to the clinic WSIB wanted good luck finding someone who takes our billing schedule right well a health provider they wanted me to go to the, my place of work for treatment where the patient was housed that had just assaulted me right that was traumatizing on so many different levels to go get help and it was a, a huge fight to find a psychologist who would work with the wsib billing schedule right that's all changed now so if you feel you need to get that help it's really not hard to access it's it's really nice to see that it's changed Yeah. And what's the biggest change that's made it easier that you think that's made it easier for people, especially first responders or anybody who experienced PTSD related to the challenges of their job? I think the normalcy, like that people are actually accepting it as, you know, it's the same as hurting your back. (laughs) It's, it's, It's a place injury. It's not something showing you're weak. It's showing that you're a human being and we get injured on this job. Yeah, it's kind of like the invisible wounds, right? This idea that you can't see the mental health wound, but it's there. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, and if you can't see it, generally it's too late, which is really sad. Absolutely. And so hopefully, you know, I hope people listening could get some insight from you that it's okay to talk about what's going on, whether it's mental, physical, or maybe just changes and reaching out to their family and friends. Um, is really important because it creates a safety net for people. Absolutely. That's, I, I would love it to have people calling every day to check in and talk and just, you know, we're a family. 
that's that's the truth of the matter. So what's your self-care regime regime like? Um I try to get away as much as I can. I I find if I've had a really rough week at work, I want to get up to somewhere outside of the city. I want to go fishing, I want to be outside and I want to be in nature. That's my self-care is mainly that. Try to eat healthily. I really avoid substances, alcohol when I'm at not when I'm at work, when I'm on my days on. Yeah. Uh, want to come home and have anything to drink after a shift normally i want to you know go home relax get as much sleep as i can between shifts and then when i'm on my days off that's when i can really go out and enjoy life Um, yeah i think most people need to have something outside of the job as well that's a really big part of it whatever it is something that distances you from work absolutely kind of gives you an opportunity to explore other parts of your identity absolutely a hundred percent so for me, that's, we have a family farm. I love going up there and, you know, working with the animals. They're extremely therapeutic in my opinion. Yeah. Well, that is a form of therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that to me is my biggest thing. And I've taken a lot of my coworkers up there and I think it helps everyone who does it. But some people don't want to go to farms. They want to go to Florida for a week or whatever, but you got to have something outside the job. It sounds like that could be like a first responder retreat at the farm. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a really good Just planting time. a seed for you <laughs> for your next November, you know, celebration. That sounds pretty awesome. I don't think that's a bad idea at all. I could, I could definitely get behind that. Yeah, I'm, I'm planting a little bit of a seed because <laughs> I won't be there, but it sounds like it'd be pretty awesome. All right, well, we invite everyone, you know. <laughs> um, if you can kind of give us, so I've got two questions for you to, some, to kind of, you know, wrap this up. But first question is, what are three reasons why people should uh, participate in Movember? The first one would be, it's a very, very impressive charity. A lot, like the vast majority of the money goes to the cause not to fundraising, to get promotions to do that. It goes to men's mental health, men's medical. It goes to the the core values of it. Yeah. The second thing would be that uh, it it brings up in a fun way, a discussion that's really, really hard to have. Yeah. It's an icebreaker. It's a fun way to discuss things. You know, it makes it a lot more palatable. Yeah. And I guess the third thing is, who doesn't love a mustache? Let's be honest. (laughs) That's awesome. And my last question is, if you could sum up in a sentence or two, why do you mow? I mow for my colleagues, myself, and my family. All right. Thank you so much, Eden. I really appreciate all of your insights, uh, sharing your journey, um, and taking the time out of being well while you're being in nature to be with us today and really give an opportunity for listeners to understand um, the importance of taking down the stigma and the bricks that are built around it and why Movember is a cause that people should get behind. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun chatting with you. Yeah, it's been lovely chatting with you too. Thank you so much. Anytime. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Decoding the Man. If you have any questions, suggestions, or a topic that stood out to you or you're seeking support, 
please email us at decodingtheman at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at decodingtheman. We'd like to thank Carissa McLeod, our social media and audio producer, Brian Sudama, our executive producer, and our theme song, Darling, is brought to you by David Porges.